For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to This Week Explained. I'm Kervin, and today you may notice you're only hearing my voice. Uh, that's because my lovely co-host is not feeling well. And so if you could just send some please, please, please send good vibes her way. Um, hopefully she gets better soon and is back on the podcast next week. But as always, we are going to discuss the big geopolitical events of the week. So here is what is on our radar for this week. So we are going to discuss Russia-Ukraine, new things that are going on there, uh, China's possible invasion of Taiwan that could be coming up soon. We'll get into the Israel and Palestine ceasefire and then go right to uh, Meta, or as you may know at Facebook, and Blenderbot 3, which is their new AI chatbot. And then this week's history's mysteries will revolve around uh, Operation Bolivar, and that's a quite an interesting story uh, from World War II. So let's get right into it. Russia, Ukraine. This week, Ukraine made waves by carrying out an attack on a military location inside Crimea. Uh, information is still being verified by various sources, and the type of attack remains unknown. Uh, however, what we do know is that several explosions were observed within the coastal region of Crimea. The implications of this attack are far-reaching, as we still do not know how and with what munitions this attack was carried out. Uh, so Crimea, Crimea uh, is in a location that would, as it currently stands, would be unreachable uh, by Ukrainian military. Now, a Ukrainian official would not confirm what the munitions were. He only stated that it was either uh, Ukrainian-made long-range missiles or a special operations guerrilla-type attack from inside Crimea. Now, satellite imagery from U.S.-based Planet Labs showed at least eight Russian warplanes damaged or destroyed from massive explosions. Uh, the Kremlin has denied that any planes were damaged in the blast and says that it was only uh, one person killed and 14 others injured and damaged in nearby houses. The Ukrainian Air Force says at least nine Russian planes were destroyed. And um, although Ukrainian officials have not publicly taken responsibility for what analysts say was likely an attack either directed by Kiev or carried out by Ukrainian partisans, uh, Information is still coming out, and we'll probably get that public acknowledgement pretty soon. Now, Russia has downplayed the possibility of a targeted attack. Uh, some analysts, though, say that the satellite imagery that we talked about in the Planet Labs uh, satellites, they suggest that the attack did damage all these planes. Um, Moscow doing their own uh, misinformation and disinformation campaign would only say that uh, the attack, it was not actually an attack, but it was aviation munitions that had detonated in a storage facility at the nearby base. 
Now, the implications of this. Uh, if Ukraine has somehow created a long-range missile, or the U.S. and NATO has secretly supplied Ukraine with this long-range missile, uh, that impact will be felt globally, because Russia will retaliate in a number of ways. And the most tragic of ways is that Russia will continue a, a bombardment of Kiev and that uh, offensive in Odessa that we've talked about for weeks, it is going to start to become very violent very quickly. Uh, so we're going to keep track of that and we'll keep you guys updated. Now, moving to the Indo-Pacific, China has extended its invasion drills this week in Taiwan. Now, what China has initially said would be a four-day military exercise that would wrap up quickly uh, has been extended. Uh, Beijing continues to threaten military exercises that have all the earmarks of a rehearsal for an eventual invasion of the island of Taiwan. And this comes directly after U.S. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, refused to back down from Chinese requests to cancel plans to visit Taiwan. Uh, a Chinese spokesman accused the U.S. of deliberately creating tensions across the Taiwan, the Taiwan Strait by conniving and supporting Nancy Pelosi's rogue visit. Also this week, in a uh, Quite a confusing turn of events. Uh, Nancy Pelosi seemed to backtrack from her statements on Taiwan by stating that she supports the one China policy on Taiwan and then sort of made this outlandish argument that China is one of the freest nations on earth. Uh, she made mention that those were not just her views, but the views of the organization Freedom House, which ranks countries based on their level of freedom. Now, a very quick search confirmed what probably 90% of the global population already knows. Uh, Freedom House considers China one of the least free countries in the world. It gave it a 9 out of a possible 100 on the Freedom Score scale. Now, that scale is uh, 0 being the least free and 100 being the most free. So 9's pretty close to 0. Uh, so, as well, we had uh, Taiwan's foreign minister, Joseph Yu, in an interview with CNN, who said that life is continuing as normal on the island, and he insisted the government won't be intimidated by the current exercises. Wu mentioned that while he is worried China will launch an offensive in Taiwan, the Taiwanese people will not be scared into submission. So while Pelosi may seem to be backtracking, uh, you we do have... Other U.S. politicians across all spectrums of politics continue to support the mission and are sending China a warning that an invasion of Taiwan will be met with swift and decisive action. Now, that is yet to be seen. Um, there's no quick and decisive action going on against Russia in their invasion of Ukraine. And so we'll see if what China is doing is any different. So let's move on to the Middle East, where uh, Israel has reopened border crossings into Gaza following an Egyptian-led ceasefire with the militant Islamic Jihad group uh, Hamas. Now, that ceasefire ended the bloodiest escalation of fighting uh, around the Palestinian enclave in over a year. Now, that ceasefire has now allowed fuel trucks to supply Gaza's only power plant and increase the availability of electricity, which was down to pretty much eight hours a day. Um, since the onslaught of violence that occurred this week. So all told, at least 44 people, uh, 15 of them children, were killed in 56 hours of violence, which began when Israeli airstrikes hit a senior Islamic Jihad commander. Um, Israel said that that action was a preemptive strike against an attack 
um, that the Iranian-backed jihad group had planned. Now, once that attack was carried out, Hamas militants began firing a thousand rockets into Israel, and Israeli officials have stated that some of those Hamas fire rockets erroneously landed in Palestinian locations, killing Palestinian civilians. So Hamas has denied that was the case, but the U.S.-based news organization, the Associated Press, said they've actually verified the accusations by the by Israeli officials. Um, also, in a news conference broadcast on pro-Iranian station al Muyadin, following the ceasefire late on Sunday, uh, their Islamic Jihad leader Ziad al-Nakhala declared that the ceasefire was a victory for the Islamic Jihad. Israel, however, saw it as a significant degradation of Islamic Jihad capabilities, so no change to the rhetoric from either nation, and the Middle East continues in conflict. Uh, hopefully the ceasefire stays, and we have better news next week. But now we'll move on to more tech news. So we've spoken before about uh, AI chatbots, most notably the Google version that one engineer said had become sentient. Um, now, a little update for that one. That engineer was actually put on administrative leave and then recently fired for releasing the information about the program. Um, we'll have future news on what he is doing, but uh, as of right now, he is fired from Google and not returning to that organization. But now we have learned that researchers at Facebook's parent company, Meta, released their own AI chatbot. It's called Blunderbot 3. It is a publicly available chatbot that improves its skills and safety over time. Uh, now, like most state of the art AIs, it was trained on a vast corpus of text scraped from the internet. Then um, what happens is it takes all that text from the internet, it transfers it into a data center with thousands of chips that turn the text into something coherent. And then that AI bot will learn from it and interact with humans in what would be considered a, a realistic way. Now, unlike a general purpose text bot, which writes blogs and answers questions to, you know, kind of generate spam emails and get those sent out. Blunderbot 3 can actually have a conversation with you. In other words, this means Blunderbot 3 is capable of searching the internet to, to chat about virtually any topic. Now, that sounds all fine and dandy. It's great. Uh, we can have fun conversations with an AI chatbot about anything, except the problem is they found out it took very little time for the bot to start conversing in ways that would be considered misleading, false, and even racist. So one Wall Street Journal journalist really screenshots of his conversation with the bot, where it told him, the bot told him that Donald Trump is still president of the United States and will always be president, even after 2024. Um, it said that that former President Donald Trump can do this, much like FDR did, and much like, quite confusingly, Ronald Reagan did, which Ronald Reagan did not have more than three, or more than two um, presidential wins. He only served two terms. So not sure where he's getting, where the bot is getting that information from, but it must be somewhere on the internet. Now, uh, this same bot we found out, told the journalist that conspiracy theories are interesting and some 
may even be true, which quite honestly, yeah, some there is slivers of truth to every conspiracy theory. That's why that's what makes them believable. But the bot also accused Facebook of abusing personal data of its users and justified it by acknowledging Facebook is not a charity. It's a billion dollar company. Um, so that that might be something Facebook needs to get under control as their AI chatbot is uh, saying the quiet part out loud and can and tell saying that Facebook is taking user data and using it to get rich off of. Well, this bot, you know, it's still in the infancy stage, so we're gonna we're gonna see what what more it can do in the future. But if you're wondering what sort of uh, racist remarks it did come up with. Screenshots uh, were sent out by the Wa- the Wall Street Journal journalist saying that uh, the bot had blamed the Jews for some of the political discourse we are seeing today, saying that uh, conservatives used to be controlled by uh, German Jews post-World War II, and now the, uh, the far-left liberals are being controlled by liberal uh, Jewish activists. So that seems quite confusing, and uh, obviously there's a lot of dialogue on the internet right now that this chatbot is receiving that is quite racist, and Facebook should probably get this under control, but it seems like the articles that they that Facebook is releasing is talking about how great this software is and, and how it should be used, uh, but you know, I don't know if I believe that. So color me skeptical on that one, and we'll have more information on it. So after that wild and somewhat creepy story, it is time for History's Mysteries. And this week, we are going to discuss Operation Bolivar, which was the Nazis' secret spy mission to South America. Now, Johannes Siegfried Becker, whose code name Sargo, was the main figure in Operation Bolivar. And he was the man personally responsible for organizing most of the intelligence gathering in Latin America. Um, Becker was first sent to Buenos Aires in May 1940. Now, his original orders was just to commit sabotage in the country. Um, however, after protests from the German embassy in Argentina in August 1940, the objective was changed to one of only an espionage operation. Now, the first clandestine information passed from Argentina to Germany basically just concerned finances, uh, the operation of the South American net, Argentinian politics, and the establishment of a courier system between Argentina and Spain uh, using crewmen on a Spanish merchant vessel. Once that network entered full operation, the volume of traffic actually increased to as many as 15 messages a day. Uh, however, in January 1944, the Argentine government arrested several German and Spanish agents. This is because communications between Argentina and Germany were had been inter, had had been intercepted for about uh, a few months, and that was because Allied intelligence was intercepting these plans. So then, in in August of 1944, most of the Germans were arrested by Argentinian authorities. And that ended all effective espionage activity by what was then called the Department in the Western Hemisphere. That was the Nazi Party's department that they had created in the Western Hemisphere. Now, the Germans that did manage to escape 
continued to conduct minor espionage operations, mostly in Latin America and Central America. And that was until the end of the war in 1945. Um, but that radio traffic that had been intercepted by the Allies uh, never really returned to its former level. Now, a, a couple of wins from the Allies during that, and that's you know the, the UK, the US. So in addition to revealing the identities of German spies and sympathizers, uh, the interception traffic allowed the Allies to, main co- to maintain continuity on the agents operating in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and that led to all the arrests. So the most notable of that was Osmar Alberto Helmuth, who was arrested on November 4th, 1943. Um, he was an uh, Argentine naval officer, but the Argentinians, come to find out, had no idea he was a German collaborator. So... Since most of the details um, of the planning behind this were known to the Allies when um, Helmuth was aboard one of the Spanish ships, um, that ship made a routine stop in uh, Trinidad, the island of Trinidad, and British authorities actually quickly arrested him. At that point, Argentina comes in, makes a formal protest to Britain. They want him released, but Britain, the, the British actually give the Argentinians, all of the ram- all of the information that they have on Mr. Helmuth. At that point, Argent- Argentina was like, no, we don't want this guy. Do whatever you want with him. Um, we don't want to be look like, we don't want to look like we are sympathizers with uh, the Nazi party who is at war with the, within all of Western Europe and the United States. Um, so as, as soon as that happened, the Brits were, were allowed to keep him. And so the fascinating point, the part of this story, and it, it goes kind of goes back to what we've talked about with Alan Turing, and he made his uh, Turing computer that sort of, uh, well, that not sort of, but did decode the, uh, the Enigma, the Nazi Enigma code. So unknown to the Germans, they thought that they were in the clear, putting all these messages out, and no one could break the code. And yet we had this guy, Alan Turing, from the Brits, come out, create this device, and intercept all of this uh, communication, and, and probably save South America from the rule of, uh, of the Nazi party. You know, if, if we don't get all that information, who knows what happens in South America? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And after that, I think we are out of time this week. I tried to keep it short and sweet. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really hope Tiana's back uh, next week. I, I love our conversations and our the back and forth that we have. But as always, if you do like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If, if anyone asks you where they can find it, just tell them, where do you listen to podcasts? That's exactly where you can find it. Also, if you have a moment, head over to Apple and Spotify Podcasts and give us a review because those reviews honestly do help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you do want more in-depth coverage of these stories, please subscribe to our community at oaklandanalytics.com. Thank you guys for listening. 
And as always, as I always say, and I really do mean this, stay safe out there.